We missed our opportunity. What was that? About 20 minutes ago, the Holy Toledo donut truck finally pulled out of the parking lot after the big party. It was here for, and they brought it uh, Saturday. Did they? No, it wasn't no, here Sunday morning. Su- Sunday, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. It was here early because when I got back between the 11 o'clock mass and the 5.30 mass, it was already here. And then it's been taunting me in the parking lot. Do you think there were donuts left inside for the last 48 hours and we sat in here in our offices? I, I'm pretty sure that probably happened. Uh, Hi, everybody. Hello, this is Father Herb Weber. This is Michael Puppis, the Donut Bandit. And we are here for 23 podcast number 115. 115. Am I right? 115. You are right. You didn't know I could remember a number for a whole week. I'm very proud of it. Well, you remember certain numbers, 23. You remember 3 for the Holy Trinity. 10 for the Ten Commandments. You remember our address? 24250 Good. Dixie Highway. See, you got everything yeah. you need. Oh, I, actually, I remember a lot. I even remember my social security number. Are you ready for it? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we, we had the big party on Sunday, and it was great. Wasn't the weather just, it was it, just a just perfect Just a beautiful night. evening, and uh, we had, as, uh, as Mike referenced, we had uh, food trucks. Yes. Everybody loves food trucks. I think the ice cream was probably the biggest hit. We were just talking about that. Uh, while we were having lunch. I didn't get Paul there. I went home and I had ice cream because I, there are too many lines to wait in. So <laughs> I had a sandwich. Uh, there was barbecue. There were burgers. There yeah. was pizza. The, uh, I even went to... Um, donuts. Last night we had a um, meeting for Emery's preschool and I saw some parishioners there and the little boy there was talking about how he got to meet Spider-Man at the big party. And so ev- fun was had by all. So, did you get to meet Spider-Man? I did. I even took some pictures, not the two of us together. I was on the, the camera end, but we got some pictures of him hanging out with the kids. And uh, Yeah. Jeff Montrose uh, picked up a great shot of, of Scott Spider-Man with his arms straight in the air after... It was one of those inflatables where they're like battling it out and you had to knock each other off the pedestal. Good, peace, peaceful entertainment. Yeah, good church, good church kind of things to do. So anyway, hopefully everybody's having a good week. We are winding down August, st- staring straight down the barrel into the month of September. This Sunday is September 1th. And we're celebrating Labor Day. On September 2th. Uh, what's in your tooth? And September 3th is uh, beginning of RCIA. Yes. And all of our faith formation programs and, are uh, starting. Ministry, uh, the 5-6 program is now on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. So that starts. 7-8 is on Thursday. There really is a lot going on, and this is the week. Lots of stuff starts This up. is the week. It's going to be good. But we get to start it with Sunday, and the Sunday in question is the 22nd Sunday of Ordinary Time. Yes. And this is about when I start asking how many Sundays there are, but I won't ask you, you do. today. Every I'll, year. We, I will ask you this next week. And then you're going to ask me every week up until Christ the King. <laughs> Well, because we have, you know, those those two visitors, the two listeners, change from week to we, week. <laughs> we have to make sure they're we don't still, have the same two. <laughs> you got to educate these people. Okay, are we ready? I think this gospel is one that could deserves a lot of discussion. Well, you only have twenty three minutes, well, and currently anymore. you're down to twenty. You're down to nineteen. So down get, to nineteen. I'm going to read. Well, you know what? I'm going to read part of it. You're going to read part of it. Did you know that? You're so bossy. 
Okay, are you ready? Go ahead. ahead. This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him carefully. He told a parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at table in the place of honor. A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man, and then you will proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. Rather, when you are invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, my friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will enjoy the esteem of your companions at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in in case that they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay, right off the top, I have to say something about that part you just read. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, they did not have a a social security program or a disability program. So if you were crippled, lame, blind, unable to work, Mm -hmm. you were, in fact, uh, certainly among the poor, and you simply could not afford a banquet. I want to talk about that last part about the the last shall be first, the first shall be last. That whole idea that you, you you know, uh, don't take the place of honor because we refer to that all the time in popular parlance in this country. Sure. But before that, I want to talk about uh, the banquet. So, Jesus was invited on a Sabbath to dine. Now, the Sabbath meal would have probably been on Friday night. The Sabbath was on Saturday. Okay. So they would have a banquet. Now. Tell me, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Tell oh, no. me about, This never goes well. T- tell me about banquets you have attended. Banquets I have attended. Yes. Now, did you have to go to an honors banquet in high school? Well, immediately. So I was at, uh, I was at Central Catholic High School this morning. And so, of course, walking those hallways again always reminds me of... It seemed like yesterday. The incredible four years that I had there, which was a long time ago. Way more than yesterday. Yeah. And... Um, so I actually, when you said banquet, the first thing that popped into my mind, because every at the end of every year, there was a band banquet. That was what the name of it. The band banquet. It's but where all the cool kids were. Was it a, much of a banquet? I mean, there was food and awards but was and such. See, most of our, we use the word banquet for school. You know, there's the honors banquet, the, the football banquet, or some schools have kind of like an all sports banquet. Sure. And then the banquet. Uh, the band banquet for the cool kids. Yeah. Uh, but they're hardly banquets. You know, they're... No, they're nothing fancy. Yes. Do you want me to look up the definition of the word banquet? Well, I'm sure you're going to because you want to. I But do I'll keep to. talking to you find it. I'm already there. You're right. okay. A noun, an elaborate and formal evening meal for many people, often followed by speeches. Okay. Elaborate, many and people, formal. and formal. 
And I, w- I will say we have lost, a lot of our culture has lost the art of formality. One of the things that is majorly different about the time that Jesus is talking about and our banquet and our experience today is we've had 2,000 years in between. And you've heard me say you can't read first century Bible in 21st century mindset. Right. So let's go back into the mindset of the first century. And a lot of what I'm about to say, I picked up from a wonderful article by Father Michael Simeone, who's a Jesuit writing in America magazine. Okay. And he gives the background. He says it had a lot to do with preserving food. You have a refrigerator in your house, don't you? We do. Do you have a freezer? We do. If you did not have either of those, how would you preserve food? You would eat it as fast as you could. Or you'd have a lot of people over to eat it. Da-dum. Dun-da-da-dum. That's called a banquet. Yeah. Actually, you know, I was surprised when we started to be a little more health conscious about what we were eating, like all the preservatives and things that are put in food. Uh, and Claire would start making bread. She'd make homemade bread, which is nothing's better than the smell of homemade bread in the oh, house. Oh, it's wonderful. It's warm and it tastes so good. Yes, what is better is waking up to it. Oh, so that's true. You, so you can so eat you it. can bake it overnight. I've got one of those bread makers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you set it up overnight. Yeah. Um, but what I was really surprised by was how quickly the bread would go bad. How, you know, in a matter of days, it would already be moldy. Yeah. And um, it was one of those things that, wow, yeah, food is not meant, is not designed to last forever, but we've chemically created food-like substances that do last forever. Um, so, of course, in Jesus's time, without all the preservatives and things that they put in food, of course, they would have to have quantities of people to help eat the food that was plentiful. So you had lots of banquets and a lot of the banquets and including weddings were held in the fall during harvest time because there was a lot of fruit, a lot of vegetables. Mm. Uh, And then of course the grains, uh, the grains were used for the, the breads. Sure. Because they, it's not like they would just go into Kroger and have a beautiful produce section 365 (laughs) days a year. Yeah. I don't think there's a Kroger in, in Capernaum. (laughs) I got nothing. I was going to, I, I keep moving. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the banquets were common. They were also kind of a show place. Okay. And you know, m- most people's homes did not have a banquet hall. I mean, that, you'd have to be really rich to have a banquet hall. Yeah. So you would either have some common public building or more likely it was even in front of your house. Consequently, it was a show place. People knew who was invited to the banquet, and they knew who was not in banquet invited to the banquet because they were not there. Okay. So there was always competition. It really was a status thing. And you would invite the wealthy or maybe people of position, whatever the position is in your community, sure. the local mayor or whatever, and then people that everybody wanted to talk about or be seen with. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was probably one of those. He got invited a lot because he was the talk of the town. Sure. What would be a modern-day person who would you would likely to make sure you invited to your banquet? Well, besides Father Herb Weber. Oh, I don't get invited to many banquets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I don't know if I can think of a uh, I mean nobody parallels Jesus Christ, of course. But what I what, while you were saying that, I was thinking of we still do that to an extent, even if we don't have banquets. I mean, we could even say that we do that in our own church. You know. Well, guess who's members of St. John the 23rd? Look how prestigious we've become because, you know, these families are members. But it doesn't really matter because Jesus calls us out at the end of the gospel that 
who really counts. Right, you know. But it was a very status-oriented society. Banquets were showplaces. And if you keep that in mind, then you get a, a better sense of what Jesus was saying. And it says he was invited, mm-hmm. and he was observant, and he noticed that people were trying to get places of honor. Again, they... I don't think most of our banquets have places of honor. If you go to a wedding, there might be a head table for the wedding party. Sure. And usually the wedding party feels very uncomfortable up there. <laughs> you know, right. the bridesmaids are separated from their their boyfriends who may be groomsmen, and the groomsmen are way down on the other end. It's separated from their bridesmaids, their sure. girlfriends. Right. Or maybe one of them's in the wedding party and the other one's sitting out there with somebody else that they don't even know. Right. It's just a very awkward moment. Sure. Or they... Uh, many wedding receptions, you know, the, the wedding party has to come in dancing while everybody's watching. Oh, yeah. That's like my worst nightmare. Did you dance coming into yours? No, you weren't. Were you formally introduced at that point? At my wedding reception? Yes. I don't remember anything about it. Do you remember your wedding reception? I was there. I was, I, I, I I got was a, there. I did not get a place of honor. I want you to know. Well, because I had this gospel in mind. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I don't that, think you... Did you even have tables of honor? I wanted to make sure that you would be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay. <laughs> so so anyway, so the whole first part is, if you want to understand this, you have to understand the concept of a banquet. You have to understand that some people were seeking status, and they were self-promotion. Look at me. And they did it in two ways, either by inviting the right people, mm-hmm. if they were the host and they could afford it, even being a host in itself already was a show-off of, uh, thing. Right, inviting the right people made you even higher in the society of the village or the town. Okay. The second thing was if you went to any reception, you somehow would look around to see if, oh, I outclass him. I could be a little bit higher up than that person. We're always comparing ourselves. Oh, of course. Sure. Unfortunately. Right. And comparisons. Remember the old expression? Probably not. Uh, comparisons are odious. Did you ever hear that? No. Look up the word odious. O-D-I-O-U-S. It means hateful. Odious. It's O-D-I-O-U-S. That's how I would spell it. Extremely unpleasant or repulsive. Yes. Comparisons are odious. And what that means is whenever you compare, something goes wrong. You either look down on others or you envy those that you look up to. Synonyms include revolting, repulsive, repugnant, disgusting, offensive, vile, foul. Really positive words. You, you love saying all that, don't you? I do. There's a whole list. Get get it out of your system. Okay, one more. Abhorrent. Abhorrent. Yeah. Okay, so the last, the last shall be first. But the, the truth is, come up higher is basically said, uh, you, you want... To be honored by the host and not disgraced by the host. I love the old translation. It says, the old translation would have been something like this. Uh, Seek a low place, lest the host come and say to you, uh, uh, you know, give your place to this other man. Then you would proceed with embarrassment. The old translation would be, then you would proceed Shamefacedly. Oh, isn't that a beautiful word? Yeah. Shamefacedly. I should have say odiously. I don't no, think no, I no, use no, that no, 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 no. Shamefacedly to a lower place. Okay. Now that's the first thing. The whole idea of seeking place. 
But then Jesus is basically saying, don't. Don't even get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. He's not only saying, don't play the game. He's, he's saying, you know, you can have banquets. The food is going to spoil. You, you need to spend the money, spend the food on people. Yeah. But serve the poor, in a sense. It's so countercultural to everything we teach ourselves and each other. You know, climb the ladder, be the best, climb to the top, beat out the competition. But but let's face it, nobody really likes somebody that's all about self-promotion. No, of course not. Except the person who promotes himself or right. herself. Right. They, they think that they have to do it. And we want to say, if you have to do it, then something's wrong. You, well, you don't have to promote yourself. We sh- the person that we should be promoting is Jesus. That well th- in our in our life. Yeah. But but this gets into the second half of my point, namely, what is humility? And humility is simply being honest. Humility means I'm not. I'm not pre. It's not false humility. Like oh poor me, I'm no good. I I didn't do anything well. Yeah. You know, if somebody comes up to you after your mass and says, Michael, that music was incredible today. Yeah. And if you said, oh, no, it wasn't, that's not humility. Actually, honestly, I'll say this while we're recording. That was a valuable thing that you taught me when I was in my early 20s. Um, because I think I always, you know, the maybe the right thing to say was, oh, no, you know, it wasn't that yeah. great. But there's a difference between that and saying, thank you, I really appreciate that. And not being braggadocious about it, but just acknowledging they're being kind and they appreciate it. And then in you your did. own mind, you say, well, thank you, God. For the talent, thank you for that it all came together, and thank you that the person is deaf. <laughs> <laughs> Love our deaf church. Yeah. I, I had somebody come up to me once and said, Father, that homily at the Mass today, this morning, when you talked, when that homily about such and such was just really good. Mm-hmm. And I realized right away, he was talking about Father Jeff, the homily that, that <laughs> Father Jeff had given. And I said, that wasn't mine. That was Father Jeff. And he said, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even at that, though, you know, you're talking about the deaf. It just made me think even those that because we, we have our five o'clock mass interpreted with sign language. Yes. Um, so I love it when they're singing the hallelujah. Yeah. And the, they, they've even told me how important the music is to them, even though they can't necessarily hear it the way that everybody else does. They feel it and they experience it. And of course, the message to the words is still powerful. So we all experience it in different ways. Okay. So how would you define humility? You, you just said what it's not. It's not like, oh, no, it wasn't very good or it was okay. Or, or actually, the truth is we usually know it's not up to our own level because we, we set the bar high. Sure. And sometimes we're trying to we even tell people all the things we did wrong. Oh, I would say the majority of the time, anytime I'm playing or singing, there's mostly self-deprecation happening in my head at any given moment. But I know that other people do appreciate, and it's not just me, it's the ensemble as a whole, it's the community as the whole. But you asked me how would I would define humility. I would hope that, you know, especially in the context of what we do here, that everything we do gives glory to God and that we give credit to the gifts that God has given us to be able to do that and bring people closer to him. I think it's having a, a thankful heart. Sure. You really have to be conscious that God is actively working today, not just out there, not just setting the world spinning and then leaving. God is still part of the world today and 
pulling out the best out of people. And, and that's humility to admit that. And sometimes, now I know some people who do it vocally, you know, uh, if you say a good job, they'll say, oh, yeah, thank, 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 uh, thank God for that. Well, that that's, comes off a little pietistic in my mind. Sure. Uh, it may be sincere, but it comes off a little artificial. But at least in your own heart, you have to say, God, thank you that this is happening and that we are a part of it. I think that's a beautiful thing, that we are a part of it. And I think, too, the realization, it is humbling to think about that. You know, if I were to be gone tomorrow, the world will still go on. Yeah, it doesn't revolve around me, even though many people want the world to revolve around them. Um, the well, that—that's the point I was trying to make earlier when I said, if you just have to, you know, put yourself in the middle all the time and get all the praise, something's wrong yeah. because the world will go on without you. And you know, I—I th- I think too, trying to build people up, I find myself, you know, I want to build others up that may not normally feel like people build them up. You know, so not always feeling like people have to give the attention to the people that always get it, but let's give the attention and the gratitude and the recognition to people that sometimes are on the margins of society that count just as much as everybody else in the eyes of God. And that's why who, I was really quickly trying to think of who was the saint that used to refer to the people at the soup kitchen or, or something like that as, you know, the, these are the gifts of God. It was definitely the poor people that, you know, they they are a gift to us. All right, I tried to Google that, but I got I got nothing. Yeah, well, that's, was, yeah. Take a little more time, and maybe by next week we'll have some answers to our questions. Be <laughs> meanwhile, be humble this week. Be humble. Is that a song? I just made it one. Okay, you're gonna have a. We're gonna have very <laughs> humble songs uh, very, on Sunday. Actually, as we were reading the gospel, I thought we should be singing "Celebrate Good Times" this weekend. <laughs> Come we'll th- on, <laughs> throw a party. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks as always for joining us on the podcast. We do appreciate you listening, and we hope that you know, as a community, we are growing together in faith. Amen. <laughs>